You're listening to the Growing Up Rock Podcast with your hosts, Stephen Michael and Sonny Hollywood Pooney. Hollywood, we're going to get into a touchy subject with a lot of people in this episode of Grown Up Rock. Yeah, I'm going to tell you, I'm all over the place on this subject. Uh, you're going to find that out when we start talking about it. I, When I was kind of doing initial thoughts, I thought one way, then I'm like, well, that makes sense, and that sucks, and I'm not even sure my own mind has made a decision. Well, I've learned a lot by starting to research this and think about this, and we're talking all about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So Sonny and I are going to discuss our thoughts on the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And we're also going to kind of talk about, you know, hey, if we had unlimited amounts of money, maybe we win the $900 million that's up for grabs. Would we go into business and create a hard rock and metal Hall of Fame? Should we have our own musical hall of fame that's dedicated to the music that we love and all our listeners love right we're gonna get into all that stuff here in tonight's episode but before we do that we seriously need to do this everyone's got a rock and roll story to tell and we want to hear yours so go to our website at growinguprock.com that's one word G-R-O-W-I-N-U-P-R-O-C-K dot com. Or visit us on our Facebook page at Growing Up Rock and tell us all about it. All right. So Grown Ups of the Week, these are all the folks that shared us on Facebook and retweeted us on Twitter. And our latest episode really was uh, the Kicks Top 5 episode with the Steve Whitman interview. So uh, these are all the folks Whiteman. that helped us out. What was that? Steve Whiteman. Steve Whiteman? Yeah, I thought it's it was not Whitman. Whitman. Yeah. It's not Whitman, it's Whiteman? Yeah. Oh, okay. Steve Whiteman. There he, you said, go. he says people get that wrong all the time. Oh, okay. Well, I did too. <laughs> At least I'm not the only one. It's spelled exactly like it sounds. And here's a bunch of other names I'm going to mess up. So <laughs> if I mess up your name, send your email to Stephen. Um, <laughs> all right. Aaron Baker, Indie Music Zone, Bill Elam, Alan Tate, Janet Eck. Jody Havnot, Mr. Cole Thornton, Nighthawk, I Love It Loudcast, Steve Wright, Daryl Alber, Bella Lowe's 1966, Classic Rock Drops, Dirk Sokolowski, Mark Winder 8, Ogata, Arrowhead, Shawana Lee, Jason Alexander, Courtney Cronin Dold, R.C. Campbell shared us and then told us that his two favorite kick songs are She Dropped Me the Bomb and Cold Blood. I love Cold Blood. Chris Fretwell, The Power Core Channel, Podcast Rock City. Eladio, Decibel Geek, Digital Killed, Chris Sinzak, Victor Ruiz, Lady Lake PR, Jason Kearney, Save Rock and Metal, David Cathy, Peter Cessary, HK Collectibles, The Peter Principles, Chris James, Adirondack, Trace Mess 469, EMZT's Infamous, Rodney Dixon, Music Palace Radio, Brad Rustoven. So he gave us top five kicks singles were Cold Blood, Get It While It's Hot, Midnight Dynamite, Hot Wire, Girl Money. I love all five of those songs, by the way. His five kicks deep cuts were Red Light, Green Light, TNT, Loveaholic, which I love that song, Atomic Bombs, Laying Rubber, and Put My Money Where Your Mouth Is. Mr. Shortstop 3, 
Little Fish, Adam Cox, Marcelo Verzi, Tony Masalam, Mike Parnell, Andrew Block, Rick Friel, and he said his favorite kick song was Atomic Bombs, Jason Bluski, Andrew Jacobs, James A. Souza, David Hudson, Scott Gull, and he said his favorite kick songs were Cold Blood, Blow My Fuse, Laying Rubber, Love Me With Your Top Down, <laughs> that sounds good, uh, Midnight Dynamite, and honorable mentions were Cold Chills, Don't Close Your Eyes, Red Light, Green Light, TNT, yeah, yeah, yeah. David Rupert shared us, Jack Swagger, Rick Piercy, Gina Sotile, Sarah Lays, J.R. Codles, Mrs. Hyde, Lutz, Restrained, Podchaser, and then Lizzie Hale shared us. That's really cool. That's awesome. Yeah, because uh, I guess she saw the Kicks episode and she retweeted us. Sweet. That's pretty sweet. Oh, Lizzie, come on the show. Uh, yeah, she said all you got to do is call her manager or whatever. No, oh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so you'll notice in some of that that uh, some some love was given to the first couple of uh, Kicks records, which was cool. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty cool. Little yeah, 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 little Atomic Bombs, two of the songs that I absolutely like off those first couple records for sure. Uh, you want to tell me no, but yeah, 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 that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> we also got some reviews on pod chaser let's see this was for the thin line between love and hate i didn't know what this person was talking about until i thought about it i was like uh is this guy drunk guy or girl drunk i have no no idea kgb isa killer love that you guys started this show You've done that a couple times, like poetry or random thoughts. It's unique. So uh, I think basically what he was saying is he, he liked the way that we started off the show because on this episode, you started off with the lyrics from the Kiss tune, right? Right, right, right. Uh, so he dug that. That's what he was pointing out. So that was his review. Gave us five stars. Concord Cal gave us five stars, said the title concerns me a bit until I heard the episode. People will want to hear the conversation. Cool. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why it concerns you. It's a thin line between (laughs) love and hate. Damn. Um, Let's see. Uh, Should have been a contender, said great episode. Uh, Love the song choices for the five stars. So that was very cool. We got some reviews for the Craig Goldie episode. Our man, David Cathy, Nighthawk. Uh, folks, this was an awesome interview with Craig Goldie. Uh, you really need to take time and listen to Stephen and Sonny. They have a damn good kick-ass show. One of the best. Gotta love it. Pat Harrison says, Goldie is very underrated. Great interview. And um, my friend and yours, Rocker Chick NY70, best interviews sound like they're eavesdropping on a conversation and that's what you have here host Stephen michael talks with former dio guitarist craig goldie about his friendship with ronnie james dio meeting his hero richie blackmore and his new band dream child great stories from two guys that sound like they're sitting around a kitchen table that interview definitely did sound like that all two hours of it so thank you thank you yeah thanks for all the reviews that's awesome Very cool. We appreciate it. You know, listen, it's important to point out that we get one-star reviews every once in a while. The problem is is they give us a one-star and then they don't 
say anything. <laughs> well, what do you want? You want a one star and they say you suck? <laughs> well, you know, I would like feedback as to why the one star. Maybe it's something that I can correct. So the person listening, if you're going to give us a one star, please don't just say you suck. Please say either Stephen or Sonny so that way we know who actually sucks. Yeah, constructive (laughs) criticism. Damn, is that so hard? (laughs) One star, you blow. Uh. Okay. (laughs) Can you be more specific? (laughs) The one star is enough, not enough to tell you you suck. You have to actually hear you suck. I like that Stephen guy, but that Hollywood dude... And just leave it at that. Don't say nothing yeah. else. Yeah. Dot, dot, dot. Yeah, that'd be just enough. Awesome. Well, let's get into the show. Are we doing a crank me up? Of course we're going to do crank me oh, up. Okay. I was just wondering. Crank me up! It's time for the Crank It Up New Music Spotlight. It is time for the Crank Me Up Music Spotlight. So that was what that was all about, is a little Crank Me Up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so tonight's Crank Me Up Music Spotlight comes to us from someone called Billy Morse and the Sunset Strip. And they have recently released an album called Holding All the Aces. I don't know a whole lot about Billy Morse and the Sunset Strip, but the album cover is kind of cool. And I am going to play a new tune off this record called Lose Control. Let us know what you think of Billy Morse and the Sunset Strip.
Yeah, I don't know anything about that guy either, but uh, that was a cool song. Yeah, it's a good uh, kind of uh, hard rock, pop, hard rock type tune. I like it. Dug it. Again, that's Billy Morrison, The Sunset Strip. Holding All the Aces is the name of the record. And it's got his logo on the cover with a really nice looking young lady holding some cards up. Uh, So you can't go wrong with that. All right, dude, that means it's time for us to kick this conversation off about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So, love it or hate it, what's your take? (laughs) Uh, Yes to both. There's things I love and there's things I hate. I'll tell you what I discovered. So, uh, there's all kinds of people that bitch. and I think we should kind of prerequisite this conversation by saying, we didn't talk about any of the bands that are already in the Hall of Fame. You know, you're not going to get arguments or discussions out of us about Rush or Kiss or Deep Purple or Bon Jovi or any of these bands that are already in the Hall of Fame, ACDC, Van Halen, Guns N' Roses, all of them. There's no point in discussing them. They're already in the Hall of Fame. What we're going to do is talk about hard rock and metal bands that maybe have been snubbed or overlooked thus far. Maybe some artists that we think have no shot at ever being in the hall of fame, but that should rightly be considered. And then maybe is there a discussion that says the hard rock and metal community should have their own hall of fame. We shouldn't give a shit about the rock and roll hall of fame, you know, kind of that whole thing, right? Yeah, I think, yeah, that's how my list is. There's a lot of snubs, and then there's a few that would never have a shot unless there was a Hard Rock Hall of Fame. Yeah, and I mean, there's no order. Well, I don't know about Sonny. I didn't put mine in any order. I just, I compiled a list of artists that are not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame yet and said, you know, should they be in, should they not? I looked at their career. I looked at the impact or the influence maybe they had on other artists. I tried to approach it not from a standpoint of do I love them or hate them, but should they be there or not? I mean, there are some artists that I am casual fan of and some artists that I love. And so I kind of tried to look at it that way as well. But that's how I approach my list, Sonny. How about you? Yeah, similar. It was uh, right off the bat, I probably listed about 15 or 17 bands or individuals that I thought should be in. Then when I looked at the list, I'm like, "Eh, half of these guys probably are being snubbed and half of them have no chance unless there is a separate Hall of Fame, right? So, well, let me tell you what I like and don't like about the Hall of Fame. So let's let's kind of start there. I like that there's a way to recognize musicians. I think that's great. Should there be a Hall of Fame? Sure. Sounds great. Those are the only two things I like about the Hall of Fame. The things I don't like, it shouldn't be called rock and roll. It should just be called music Hall of Fame because obviously they're allowing things that are not rock and roll. Now, that being said, it's hard to determine what's rock and roll. So let's do a little experiment here. I'm going to say a band or an individual. You tell me yes or no if you believe they're rock and roll. Okay? Uh Uh-huh. John Mellencamp. Yes. Rod Stewart. Yes. Devo. Yes. Journey. Yes. Beatles. Yes. Loverboy. Yes. 
dire straits. Yes. I'm not sure everybody would have said yes to those. And you struggled on Devo. Uh, yeah, you know, I really did struggle on Devo a little bit, but I started thinking about things like Work It Out and some of the yeah. uh, some of the not hit shit. And uh, yeah, I, th- I think uh, I think yes to that. Yeah. See, I think it's hard to tell between pop and R&B. Yeah. I think it's hard to tell about pop and rock. I think there's gray lines between rock and hard rock. There's gray lines between hard rock and metal. All right. That being said, rock and roll is supposed to be rebellious, right? That was the whole point of it to begin with. Yeah. So them getting little trophies on the Hall of Fame, that just doesn't sound right. <laughs> like the Hall of Fame itself isn't rock and roll. You know what I mean? I do. I do. I, I think, listen, I agree with you on 100% of everything that you just said. And in fact, it's kind of funny. So you and I really didn't talk about this subject at all before what you're hearing right now. So we kept each other's list to ourselves. We kept the music that we're playing to ourselves. We didn't discuss. We just said, hey, we're going to discuss the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Uh, and we're going to discuss it from a hard rock and metal perspective as well. And in what you just presented, literally, I had a lot of those similar thoughts. I said, well, you know, I think that music should be celebrated and I love all kinds of music. And so, yes, there should be a music hall of fame. And it's really hard because they want to call it rock and roll and maybe all these things that they feel like that they're putting in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame stem from one thing or another. But I fail to see how an artist like Tupac comes from rock and roll. I just, I, I mean, you know, and it's not just rap. It's other things as well. So I, I fail to see, you know, some of that stuff and how it comes from there. But that's not really the point. The point is, is that there's so many different subgenres. Let me ask you this. Should there be a music hall of fame and then each type of music has its own wing? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's probably how it should be, in my opinion, is that if you're going to pick five, because they pick five acts every year, right? So yeah. if you're going to pick five acts, then maybe you have a R&B, a pop, a rock, a hard rock, a country, or something that buckets them a little bit, right? right? So that way, no one music fan is snubbed. You know what I mean? Right. And, you know, just as much as we're going to talk about some of these bands that we think they should be in, Duran Duran should be in. Like, that's ridiculous that they're not. Well, that's exactly, you know, I, I don't disagree with you, but let me say that if we opened it up to a music hall of fame, then you're starting to have orchestras and composers and all these things that are clearly outside of the realm of rock and roll. Right. So then, then, you know, I mean, you're, you're talking about something so massive that it it just can't be put under one roof. I mean, there's, it's just tough to put it this way. I get why it's so hard for these people to you know streamline this it's a it's a really tough task and you just you just made that point by asking me what i considered rock and roll and what you know what's metal and what's not metal and you know it's hard to decide 
all of that. So people are getting snubbed that we feel like should be in it, but they're not putting 50 acts in it every, every year, you know? Yeah. And what's interesting is, so the 15 nominees this year, cause you can vote, there's a fan vote and I voted. Right. And I only voted for one rock act. So even me, I'm looking at the names going, okay, well, first of all, I didn't have a lot of rock acts to choose from, but even that being said, I didn't pick all the rock acts because I'm like, mm, some of these other guys deserve to be in more. So, so go, do you have that list in front of you? Yeah, I do. So go down the list because I don't, I don't know if I've seen the list or I haven't paid attention, but what, what is the list for this year? And I'll go ahead and vote while, while you're running down the list. Okay. So remember you get to vote for five. Okay. So Roxy music. No. Radiohead. No. Janet Jackson. No. Craftwork. No. Todd Rundgren. Ooh. Yeah, <laughs> that, I'm on the fence with that one because All right. he was really influential and did some things. So let me table him for now. All right. Rufus featuring Shaka Khan. No. The Cure. Yes. John Prine. I don't even know who that is. I do. He's songwriter. No. Devo. <laughs> uh, table. MC5. Yes. The Zombies. No. Rage Against the Machine. Oh, God. See, it's it's really, it's really, really <laughs> tough because right. I'm trying to keep an open mind and not be swayed by my heart versus what did they really do. Um, yeah. I think Rage Against the Machine had an important message. Were they influential were they influential did they kick off the entire rap metal thing no i don't know that they did yeah okay who else next one stevie nicks uh, no and remember fleetwood Mac's already in yeah no ll cool j no def leppard yes so i voted for def leppard yeah i voted for the cure because really the cure was the first like all pop goth yeah. uh, type band yeah. that got hits. They were really influential on a lot yeah. of people. And let me say, and let me say this, I'm not a really, I'm not a Cure fan at all. I'm not, so, either. I'm not either. So that's an objective vote. I voted in Roxy Music because between Ferry and Eno, I mean, they really started the all pop sound to begin with. Yeah. I voted in Radiohead because if REM's in, Radio, Radiohead should be in. Oh, God, disagree, but okay. Yeah. And then I voted in Janet Jackson because of all the stuff that she was up against. She held her own when there was a Madonna and a Prince and a Michael Jackson and all these people that were on the charts. Man, she held her own. Agreed, but what do you feel like she influenced? Ah, uh, that part, I'm not sure. Yeah. But those five I picked better than the other five. You know, there's probably... Not a great reason, because I don't know Janet Jackson. That you didn't vote MC5? No, because here's the other problem. So if you want anybody to tune in out of this list, you're going to have to put Janet Jackson and Def Leppard in. Otherwise, nobody's tuning in. <laughs> I don't think they give a shit about that. Oh, I think they give a shit about Gee. that. Right. Oh, hell yes, they do. So that's the list. It's a pretty sorry list, by the way. And, <laughs> yeah, it is. And let me just tell you this. Uh, well, never mind. Don't get me started. We'll go down our list, and but we'll come back to the whole Stevie Nicks thing. Yeah, so we'll come back to that. She should absolutely be in for Fleetwood Mac. That's fine, but not a great list. There have been people that showed up on the ballads that aren't on the ballads anymore that should have gone in when they were on the ballads, but 
it's just a difficult task. So, so let's start our own rock and roll hard rock hall of fame. Okay. Under the umbrella of rock and roll, hard rock and metal, right? Because we already said rock and roll comes in many different forms, right? You agree? Right. And we're assuming that anybody who's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame now is already going to be that classifies as hard rock or metal is already going to be in the hard rock or metal. So, you know, if you believe Queen and Bon Jovi and Deep Purple and Alice Cooper and Metallica and possibly the Doors or Van Halen, if you think those folks should be in the hard rock or metal, we're already assuming them in because they're already in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah, we're building the foundation of our Hard Rock and Metal Hall of Fame. And and in this foundation, in this inaugural year, let's call it, we have to vote in 10 bands apiece. So Sonny and I are going to vote in 10 bands apiece. And we're going to assume that the foundation has already been built with the bands that are in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame that we would consider Hard Rock and Metal. So just like Sonny said, the... Metallica's, Guns N' Roses, Van Halen's, Kiss, Rush, all that shit already in the foundation of the Hard Rock and Metal Hall of Fame. Now it's just down to 10 bands apiece that we need to add to that list that's already there, right? And we may have some repeats because, of course, we don't know each other's list. Yeah, we didn't talk (laughs) about each other's list, so we may definitely agree or disagree but we may add a couple of people in that we both think need to be in and i'm sure that that's going to be the case because i know there's probably two or three that are kind of almost no-brainers for anybody in the hard rock and metal uh, community so yeah all right you want to get us started all right so one of the ones i ranked mine but one of the ones that made my 10 was motorhead So 40 years, you know, 22 studio albums, 13 live albums. They obviously have the length of career. The influence wise, I mean, you could argue these guys started speed metal. They started thrash metal. You wouldn't maybe have a Metallica or Megadeth if you don't have these guys. So I'm not the biggest Motorhead fan on the world. I could tell you that right now. I am a very, very casual fan. But if there's somebody that uh, deserves to be in our hard rock and metal hall of fame. Motorhead should be on that list. 150% agree without a doubt. Motorhead so influential on so many eighties, nineties, hard rock bands. And then beyond, you know, Lemmy as an individual just on his own was rock and roll, was hard rock, was metal, was, you know, everything that that is good about it. And so I agree with the Motorhead decision. Uh, They were absolutely on my list of 10. And in celebration to that, I think I'm just going to drop this in right here. How about a little Love Me Like a Reptile off of Ace of Spades, baby? I 
right, so give me one that was on your list. All right, so listen, this might surprise you, and this is one that I didn't think uh, you would have on your list. And I went through my catalog, and I searched my brain, and I just, you know, because I'm, I'm sure that we're probably forgetting somebody that needs to be on this list, and I can't wait to hear people chime in on the Facebook page with people that we missed that should be part of this. And remember, when you guys are when you guys are hitting us up with some of your own suggestions, don't just tell us, oh, you know, um, Dawkins should be in because I love him. <laughs> it's not about that. Don't don't do that. Look look hard and and think about it and say, hey, how are they influential? Should they really be in there? Because there are a lot of bands that I love that I don't think necessarily belong in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame or Hard Rock and Metal Hall of Fame. But this band does, in my opinion. I think these folks opened up the doors for a lot of people, and they're not the only ones. And I've actually uh, got a couple on my list that are like this, but I'm going to start off with the Runaways. I think the Runaways opened up the door for a lot of female rock and rollers these days and whether it opened up the door to the careers for Joan Jett and opened up the door for the career of Lita Ford, then so be it. But the runaways were hugely influential. They didn't sell a whole bunch of records. I get it, but I think they were influential enough and should get a nod in the hard rock and metal hall of fame. That's my take. Yeah, that's a good one. I had, I had missed that on my list because I had, I, like I told you, I wrote down about 15 or 17 and pared it down to 10, yep. and they were not one of the 17. I missed them completely, but I agree. You agree with that? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, so I think that I'm sort of a casual Runaways fan. I've gotten more into it. I've dug through some of the catalog. There's some really good stuff, and some of the stuff that really, I mean, to be honest, even you know, after Cherie Curry left the band, after that second record, the third record, uh, Waiting for the Night, you know, the debut of the four-piece and Joan doing the singing, had some really good stuff on it. I dug Wasted, and I dug this song.
school days off of waiting for the night 77. All right. So the next one on my list, I'm actually, again, not a huge fan. They've only got five studio albums and it's the New York Dolls. And when you look at length of careers there, they don't have a lot of music, but here's the top four bands that they influenced. Sex Pistols, Kiss, GNR, and the Ramones, and all four of them are in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So there's no doubt that there, I would say most of the time, if you talk to somebody who grew up in New York and was a musician and was coming up in the early 70s, they mentioned the New York Dolls as one of their influences. So just for that, these guys deserve to be in our Hard Rock Hall of Fame. Yeah, I don't disagree with that at all. When you ask me about the band, you know, I'm in the same boat. Very, very casual fan. I'm sure if I dug through some of their catalog, I could find some stuff. I found them to be an interesting band. I saw the documentary on Johnny Thunders. Johnny Thunders on his own was hugely influential to a lot of people outside of the New York Dolls, but I find them an interesting band, just wasn't a huge fan necessarily of the actual music. Yeah, and there's a lot of bands like that where when you peel the onion of where their influences came from, I might not be into the influence, but whatever the band that got influenced by them is doing hits better with me. You know what I mean? So like there is, when you listen to some of the New York Dolls stuff, there is some of that stuff in the GNR stuff, but there's other stuff that took it to the step that I liked, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. Definitely makes sense. All right, so we ready to move on? Yep. I'm going to go with one of the obvious choices here. You know, like I said, there were some that I had to search high and low for in my brain to decide whether these bands needed it, but there's a couple of bands I think that are going to be on both of our list and are kind of no-brainers. We'd be uh, crazy not to have them on our list, and I'm going to talk about Iron Maiden. Uh, right. <laughs> they didn't make my list. I don't know what the hell you're talking about. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you, you would lose your man card at that point <laughs> if that was the case. But, yeah, I mean, come on. I mean, it's it's an obvious choice. They've been on the ballot. I think I saw something. They're one of the most snubbed bands on the ballot. I think they've been on the ballot 15 years and running or something like that. But they weren't even on this year's ballot. And it's just kind of, I mean, it's just dumb. <laughs> I don't know any other way to sugarcoat it. It's just dumb. So, yeah, I mean, Iron Maiden definitely would be in the rock and roll, hard rock and metal Hall of Fame immediately in that first inaugural class. I 100% agree. I mean, 16 studio albums. They got 12 live albums. Been around 35 plus years. It is one of the best marketed bands on the planet. They sell out everywhere they go. We wish they would have brought this new set that they were doing to the U.S. and they never brought it here. I mean, it just, it's amazing to me the longevity these guys have had through the years. And their music, they never really followed any of the trends, really. They just kind of stuck to what they were doing. They got a little bit, uh, what was it, like synth bassy, a couple of albums. But really, they worked out of that and just went back to what they were doing, right? Yeah, absolutely. So a lot of folks haven't heard like they'll know Iron Maiden, obviously, but if you're a casual fan, possibly you don't know anything past, 
I don't know, probably uh, seven son of a seven son might be where you jumped off maybe, but they've got some great new stuff. Check out this song. It's called Different World.
Yeah. I mean, Maiden continues to make music. They got away from what I originally loved. I don't necessarily love the epic 10-minute tunes, but they're still putting out good music today. I just don't love everything that they put out today, right? Right, I understand. All right, so my next pick is uh, Sticks. And the reason I pick Sticks is, you know, forget about the 16 studio albums and nine live albums. They obviously have a history and length of career. But these guys were the first ones to really blend in progressive music, theatrics, guitar-driven rock, melody. They definitely have musicianship, like cool lyrics. All of that, there was bands doing some of that, but not all of that. And even if you were to look at somebody like Kiss who has theatrics, but they're, come on, they're not musicians like Styx is. You know what I mean? So it's just one of those things where I think Styx put it all together and they've been around for 35 plus years. I cannot believe that uh, they're not in already. And I think they are an ultimate snub and they deserve to be an hour Hard Rock Hall of Fame. I will second that. They're also on my list. So you'll get no arguments from me. Uh, one of the earlier bands, one of the earlier guitar driven bands that I ever got into with, uh, with songs like Renegade and Blue Collar Man. Um, I wore those out when I was a kid. So definitely they were a gateway drug. Probably, you know, they were probably a gateway drug to a lot of the stuff like Van Halen, ACDC, because I want to say they sort of um, were on my radar, I guess I would say, earlier on than the Van Halen and uh, ACDC. Yeah, and I think they shined a light on some of their guitar-driven rock by crossing over to the pop chart, right? And I get it. Not everybody loves like Mr. Roboto and stuff, yeah. but I guarantee you that people who heard that, that if they went down the hole to go find out what else they were about, they went and heard Renegade or Blue Collar Man, and all of a sudden they were a Styx fan. Oh, for right? sure. So who cares that they crossed over? For sure. So definitely I think they belong in there uh, on that initial class. And, you know, along that same lines, and I've got two or three bands, really. I mean, we talked about the Maidens and the Motorheads and stuff like that. And Sticks to me, is still guitar-driven. You know, do you want to call them rock and roll? Do you want to call them um, pop hard rock? You know, I don't know. I I classify it as guitar-driven rock, and it's got a harder edge to me. Not all of it, but a lot of it. And so, right. so for me in that same category, I've got a couple of bands that I'm going to put in that same category that are on my list. And one of them is Foreigner because their influence on AOR radio at the time was so huge. And they were right there alongside of bands like Sticks and just, I mean, Lou Graham and Mick Jones, their songwriting just, I mean, I, I, and I think, are, are they in like the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as songwriters or something like that? Mick Jones and Lou Graham? I don't think so. I don't, you know, I know. When that, I saw the list, I did not see them on there at all. Well, I don't think Foreigner, Foreigner is the band is not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. No, and it, but I looked at all the other, the other categories they have. Yeah. Just to see if they hit those. They didn't hit those either. Okay. 
But yeah, definitely, in my opinion, should be in that uh, category as well. Yeah, I agree. Foreigner made my list. And uh, I had actually picked a song to play that many have not heard because the only place it was on was a Greatest Hits album. It was one of the new tracks off the Greatest Hits album. Check this one out. It's called Soul Doctor.
Yeah, that's a good tune. That was one of the few foreigner records early on that I actually had because I didn't have like all the catalog stuff. So I went out and got like the greatest hits because I had a ton of good shit on there. Yeah, yeah, makes and sense. Soul Doctor was a good tune. It's a cool tune to pick kind of outside the norm for people since I don't know if anybody needs to keep hearing head games or you know whatever (laughs) (laughs) i called his eyes and name one that's urgent yeah urgent (laughs) that's the other thing like uh you know foreigner it's not even about like the two or three songs it's about like the 15 songs that are in regular regular rotation whether it's jukebox hero or or urgent or cold as ice or um shit you know just any number of tunes man Think about this. How many bands out there could exist with zero original members? And these guys have done that too because Mick Jones doesn't play every night. Nah, I know. It's funny. There was never really a face to the band. That band, seriously, you hear artists talk about it all the time, but that band, it was seriously about the music. It really was and what great music it was. And I end up just by circumstance, I end up pretty much going and seeing that band every year because usually it's like a Friday or Saturday night. And usually it's like a cheap ticket. And I'm like, well, Friday night, rock and roll. Why not? And the band, right. the band with Pilsen and, and Kelly Hansen and all those guys right now is so good. Like it sounds so damn good. It's like, why not? You know? And they and then again this year, like it's like okay, uh, it was a Friday night. It was twenty bucks for a ticket, and it was Foreigner and White Snake. I was like, uh, oh, and Jason Bonham. I was like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's great, you know. All right, so my next pick, I'll get some hate mail. So if you got hate mail, send it to I hate you at gmail dot com. I guess, but. um I'm not a huge fan of this band, but they absolutely deserve to be in our hard rock metal hall of fame. You could argue these guys influenced all the rap metal that came after them. They influenced all of the cookie monster vocals that came after them and their guitar player influenced so many guitar players afterwards. And that band is Pantera. Would you agree? They belong in the hall. I would agree with that but they actually were on the outside and not not because they don't deserve to be in the first class it's just a matter of uh, you know listen i think everybody that's on my list was influential in some way or shape or form and whether you agree or disagree that's the way i see it and uh pantera pantera is absolutely on my list they're just on the outside list with other bands that i love and i actually like pantera i'm a, I, I mean am i a huge fan i don't know if i'm a huge fan but i would say i'm above i'm above average i'm above casual fan of pantera so i like them quite a bit but as far as argument goes nah you're not going to get any argument from me they changed the game uh, they took Metallica to the next level, made it sound different, and uh, was intense. So, fully believe they should be there. Yeah, and you could say Dimebag influenced a generation. Yep. Right. So, would agree right. with that. Who else you got? 
All right, so I'm going to go from your Pantera to another obvious band, and this right alongside of Maiden uh, is an obvious choice, which is Judas Priest. Judas Priest needs to be in the Hard Rock and Metal Hall of Fame without a doubt. Uh, and you want to talk about influence. Uh, I mean, they influenced a style. <laughs> I mean, how many how many people did you see wearing studs and leather uh, before Judas Priest? And then it became an, a complete trend. I mean, literally in the 80s, studs and, and uh, leather were identifiable with the hard rock and metal community. Am I, am I right or am I right? Oh yeah, they're they're on my list. There's everything from fashion to the sound to the guitar shredding to, I mean, they were there. I cannot believe they're not in the hall. That that is, uh, absolutely amazes me. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, really they should just shut down the Hall of Fame for the year and induct two bands, and it should be Maiden and Priest right next to each other. I mean, that would be <laughs> that would be fitting, would it not? Yeah, no doubt, because uh, that year's induction ceremony and the crowd that shows up will be a little bit different. Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I would say. Uh, that's great. It's one of those things that's a no-brainer to me. And really, I guess if you're going to look at it, probably Priest deserves to go in before Maiden simply from the fact that they've just been around longer. I mean, that Priest started in the 70s. Yeah, you could argue Maiden's probably bigger now than Priest is. Oh, without a doubt. I believe that to be true. I, I believe that uh, Maiden is no doubt bigger than Priest. Something happened with Maiden somewhere down the road because in the 90s, at one point in time in the 90s, I actually saw Maiden literally a half crowd at an amphitheater. It wasn't well sold at all. And then somewhere down the road, uh, they did some documentaries. I don't remember what the thing was, but they blew up and it became like this. I mean, I think they've always had a following internationally, but they really like when they started doing like Flight 666 and all this stuff, they really started growing their audience to like massive proportions all over the world. And now it's like they they sell out everywhere. Yeah. It doesn't matter whether it's the States or Peru or freaking Japan or whatever. They sell out everywhere. They're massive right now. So no doubt. I mean, I, you, let me tell you what I would love to see. I would love to see a stadium tour with Maiden and Judas Priest. How cool would that be? That would be amazing. Call it the new wave of British heavy metal tour or something and throw Saxon on in the, at the beginning and have Saxon open up for Maiden and Priest. It would be freaking phenomenal. All right. So next on my list, I'm going to go with one of my favorite bands of all time. So when I was looking at, you know, who I was going to put on my list and I was looking at, you know, the 2019 nominees and folks like MC5 and I started thinking about there's bands that maybe didn't sell all that well, but influenced a bunch of other bands that did end up selling really well. And it happens to be one of my favorite bands. So I had to make the list and that's Y&T. So even if you, you know, with Bob now banding in the Inside Metal series that he released, you heard rockers over and over talking about Manichetti and that Y&T was on. They couldn't believe Y&T wasn't huge. 
and they wish they were Y and T. So that LA influence that they had was absolutely huge. They've been around 40 plus years. They've not really veered away from who they are. Um, and they're still out there rocking and, you know, it's blue collar rock. If you want to create a new genre, it's blue collar rock. That's what it is. So Y and T is in my hall. All right. Well, I can't say that's a surprise for me. They actually <laughs> weren't on my list, but really listening to you make some really good points. And I can't disagree because I have heard not only some of the rockers from California talk about it as far as Y&T, but who did we just recently talked to that talked about Leonard Hayes from a drumming perspective? I did an interview, though, with somebody who mentioned Leonard Hayes, right? Yeah, yeah, they did, because I was surprised that they brought it up. I was like, wow, they're talking about Leonard Hayes? Anyway, there's an interview that I did with somebody that talks about Leonard Hayes actually being an influence, too, and I don't even think it was a drummer, but anyway. Was uh, it one of the guys you interviewed at Rockin' Pod? uh, Maybe it was. I don't remember. Anyway, it's possible. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but anyway, obviously Y&T has been an influence to people. So, you know, they should they should be on the list. They're not on my list, but I get why they're on Sonny's list. Not a surprise, and I don't yeah. disagree. So I wanted to play a deep cut for you. Okay. Check this one out. It's called Girl Crazy.
so crazy. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> what record's that off of? Ten. Is it? Yeah. A lot of people like ten. Yeah, if you listen to it all the way through, it's a good album. Yeah. It's just, you know, a couple of years too late. Yeah. All right. All right. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay. So I hate to kind of sing the same song, but I'm singing the same song again, which is we're talking about AOR, guitar-driven rock and roll. In the late 70s and 80s, it was massive. And these bands that were massive at that point in time, they influenced a lot of the bands that we love in the 80s and the 90s, guaranteed. And so this band continues putting out music today. In my opinion, they kind of changed the game, not only for album sales, but album-oriented rock radio in the late 70s and even into the early 80s, but late 70s for sure. And that's Boston. You heard me talk about it before. Boston was one of the first rock albums I ever bought with my own money. But not only is Boston influential from an album-oriented rock standpoint, from a technical standpoint, the recording techniques, the stuff that Tom Schultz did with that debut record, that influence probably reaches into more producers and engineers and recording people than you can ever even imagine. And Boston albums sound like no other album at the time. And they were guitar-driven rock. You listen to some of those records, smoking, stuff like that. That's guitar-driven rock and roll. So in my opinion, Boston belongs in the Hard Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah, agreed. People are saying out there that Journey was important, then Boston's every bit as important as Journey is. Yeah, I mean, the difference is Journey continued to have hits, and Boston Boston kind of ties their reputation to that first album, but the second album was fantastic as well, and really even some of the later albums that they put out, Third Stage, stuff like that, I thought were some pretty solid records. I mean, they obviously weren't the success of the first record because not much is. That first record was so monumental. Boston definitely belongs there. If you're going to if you're going to put bands like Foreigner and Sticks and Journey and even Def Leppard in Def Leppard really, I mean, Def Leppard was definitely took some of that shit from Boston. Some of those oh, yeah, vocal definitely. some of those vocal harmonies and layering, yeah. I guarantee you Mutt Lang took some of that shit. So, yeah. that's on my list, brother. All right. The next one on my list, 50 plus years you almost never hear a musician say that this band influenced them. And I absolutely don't know why, because you hear their influence in some of the music that's out there in rock. I think the brothers that were the guitar players did end up influence a bunch of folks, 18 studio albums. They got six live albums out there. They were all over MTV when MTV was there, and that's the Scorpions. They put Germany on the map. Nobody ever gives them enough credit, and damn it, those guys are 70-plus right now, and you see them live, and they got every bit of energy they had before. It is incredible. Yeah, not on my list, but just fell outside. That was one I struggled with more than some of the other ones, but definitely deserved to be there. 
And my guess is, and this is probably subconscious, but you struggled with it most likely because you don't ever hear anybody saying we were influenced by the Scorpions. No, I mean, you hear some of the bands talk about they loved listening to the Scorpions and stuff right. like that. So, I mean, I, I think there are a lot of people that were fans of the Scorpions, just don't know whether or not they were necessarily influenced by them or not. Yeah. You know? Now, the Schenker brothers, that's a different story, right? So, uh, that doesn't surprise me. Yeah, I mean, for sure. Yeah. So, yeah, no arguments for me. They're on my outside list. Uh, you know, not, like I said, after we get done with these 10, I'm going to go through my initial outside list of bands that I think need to be in the Hall of Fame, just didn't make the initial list. So one that's been on the ballot before and hasn't made it, but you hear a lot of bands talk about how they influence them, and that's Thin Lizzy. Then Lizzy was never a really big success in the States, especially, but Thin Lizzy was a success from the amount of hard rock and metal bands that they have been influencing. You hear any interview that talks about their influences, a bunch of them mention Phil Lynott, mentioned Thin Lizzy. So Thin Lizzy should definitely be in that rock and roll, hard rock, metal hall of fame on the first ballad. Yeah. I don't know a lot about Thin Lizzy and just vocally, they never connected with me. That's why. Yep. Uh, but yeah, you're right. They do. A lot of bands say Thin Lizzy was their kind of gateway, uh, especially in that late seventies. And a lot of people take Phil as a influence also. I, it just never really connected with me, but I can understand why. Well, and you know, I was a late bloomer with Thin Lizzy. I'll be honest. I was never, I was never a huge fan in the eighties of Thin Lizzy. I didn't know a whole lot about them. Uh, and if you think, you know, boys are back in town is all they're about. There, there's so much better stuff than that. I mean, it's a great song, no doubt about it, but they were kind of, you know, Thin Lizzy in a lot of ways was sort of an earlier version of like a Springsteen or a Bon Jovi. And I mean that from a standpoint of you talked about blue collar rock. Yeah. Lizzie was very sort of blue collar rock in their subject matter and the way they approach things and just sort of like a working class Irish band. And that's how they approached a lot of things in my opinion. But I started going down that rabbit hole in more recent years with the emergence of black star writers and things like that. Uh, and really, to be honest, other podcaster uh, friends talking so highly of Thin Lizzy, I started heading down that rabbit hole and found a whole bunch of stuff that I really, really enjoyed. Just the combination of all that, I think Thin Lizzy definitely belongs there. And uh, here's a song off Thunder and Lightning with John Sykes. This is Cold Sweat.
So you still have two left, but I actually only have one left on my top 10 because we shared a few. I don't have two left. I only have one left on my list. Oh, you only have one left too? Oh, okay. I saved the best for last. And you were talking about before that they should just shut down the hall and only do Judas Priest and Iron Maiden one day and that's it kind of thing. And my thing is, here's an example of, and it's a single artist that you could just shut down the hall if you're not going to put them in because you're just stupid. And they're stupid for not doing it already. 53 years this guy spent in the music business. Three major bands, 21 studio albums. The guy's a bona fide rock god, if there ever was one, was in Rainbow, Sabbath, and Dio. There is no way that Ronnie James Dio cannot be in this hall, period. Yeah. So that's interesting you say that, and he was absolutely on my list. And without a doubt, he belongs there. Absolutely no argument from me. The reason that he wasn't on my initial list, I think, is in part because of Black Sabbath, but he didn't go in with Black Sabbath, did he? No, he didn't. I don't think so. I don't think so either, and I think that's criminal in itself because, to me, those two Sabbath records are my favorites, but but that was criminal alone. But, yeah, without a doubt, Ronnie James Dio, with, with the amount of stuff that he's done, absolutely 100% deserves to be there and probably should be first ballot. Yeah, I almost yeah. want to rewrite my list now, but yeah. <laughs> but yes, absolutely. 
So I'm going to go on to my final selection. And my final selection I saved, and and much like the Runaways that were probably a little bit surprised to you, this will probably be a little bit of a surprise as well. But I'm going to start with female rock and roll, and I'm going to end with female rock and roll. And I think that it's absolutely criminally insane that Pat Benatar is not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame yet with the amount of influence that she's had, not only from music, but from a clothing and appearance standpoint. I mean, hell, they they even they even made it uh, an iconic reference to it in Fast Times at Ridgemont High, right? The Pat Benatar look. I mean, yeah. come on, you talk about the iconic appearance of a Madonna or a Prince. Well, Pat Benatar in rock and roll was every bit that. I talked about Sticks early on being like uh, Renegade and Blue Collar Man being some of those first really guitar-driven music that probably was a gateway drug. Well, I wore out my friend's Pat Benatar cassette that had like hell is for children and uh promises in the dark and just all this really you know guitar driven pat benatar music with uh, neil giraldo i mean you can't deny that she opened up the door for the lizzie hales and the people that are making you know symphonic metal some of those women singers that are doing the symphonic metal and things like that Pat Benatar, I guarantee you, was a, a gateway drug for a lot of them. Uh, totally agree. And uh, she should have been in a long time ago. Yeah. Honestly, she yeah. should have been. Yeah, really, really idiotic. But anyway, that's some of the idiocies the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame deals with. But not here, Pat. Pat would be in our hard rock and metal uh, Hall of Fame almost immediately, in my opinion. Cool. Who were some of the ones that were just outside your list? All right. So my outside list, you just want me to run down, run them down. All right. So I won't spend a bunch of time making a bunch of arguments for each one, but I think Ronnie James Dio was on my outside list, should have been in. Motley Crue, I think, needs to be in that list because I think that Motley Crue I know that Quiet Riot was kind of the first ones off the Sunset Strip that hit the, with uh, Metal Health, and I get that, but I think Crew really inspired that whole scene. And honestly, Crew and Rat sort of happened at the same time, but I think that Crew definitely should just be part of that. Here's one that I know that Sonny's probably not going <laughs> to agree with, but... Uh, I think they were hugely influential, and you you talk to a lot of people, and they're on their list, but that's UFO. And I put UFO in that list because they were influential to a lot of musicians, but also Michael Schenker as the guitar player in the what I would call the premier lineup of that band with with Schenker and Phil Moog and um, you know all these guys, right? I think that is the version of ufo and i think i think they belong in this in this uh, hall of fame as well uh, another band that i think was hugely influential is the sweet i think the sweet influenced a lot of people i mean we already know they influenced ace Frehley 
<laughs> and uh, we know for sure that they influenced Nikki Six because he cites them as a huge influence. And there's a lot of bands out there. Just listen to some of the sweet music. If you're not familiar with them, go check out like a greatest hits or something, but definitely an influential band uh, and a unique sounding band as well. But how many times has, uh, you know, Fox on the run been covered or uh, any number of tunes action? God, action has gotten covered by people like Def Leppard and Black and Blue and just all these bands have covered action a million times over. So the suite definitely belongs in there. I wondered about, you talked about Pantera, and Pantera is on my list for sure. But what about Megadeth? How do you feel about that? Um, I think people would argue it. I think it's a... Okay, I'm going to get hate mail for this. I think it's a I think it's a copy of Metallica with worse singing to be honest. Uh, that's just my personal opinion because yeah. I've always liked Metallica better than Megadeth. Yeah. My brother would be first in line to send in the hate mail, so Danny send it to my personal email. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. You know, I question it. I don't know that anybody because they were so at the same time, I don't know that I've heard anybody say Megadeth influenced me, but I've definitely heard people say Metallica influenced me. So I don't know. I mean, I like both. I'll be honest. I do like both, but I thought maybe they belong there. So I don't know. I put them yeah. on my list. Uh, I already said Pantera Scorpions are on my list. That was one that I struggled with. Saxon you hear a lot of metal bands talk about Saxon being an early influence to them. Although I don't think it's really from a musical standpoint. I think in a lot of ways, it's sort of similar to the Scorpions, which is they listen to their music and were influenced by Saxon, especially Saxon was part of the new wave of British heavy metal. And if we're talking about uh, hard rock and metal hall of fame, then maybe Saxon belongs there. They've certainly gotten the career and the amount of albums to support that. They just never really broke big. I know you're not a huge fan, but yeah, something never, something just didn't connect me with them. I love the logo. Does that help? No. I mean, do you, do you <laughs> think from an influential standpoint though? Oh yeah. 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 No doubt. Yeah. Okay. No doubt. This band was on the ballad last year or the year before and then disappeared on the rock and roll hall of fame ballad. I think that they belong in there because I think that they started a completely new trend with industrial. And I think that's nine inch nails. I think Trent Reznor, uh, and nine inch nails started a trend basically. So you wouldn't have bands like Marilyn Manson and corn and some of these other folks without nine inch nails in my opinion. So I think Nine Inch Nails belongs. They, obviously, somebody thought enough to put them on the ballad. They just never made it through. So Nine Inch Nails on my list. Jane's Addiction, another one on my list. I think they were hugely influential in that time period, which was what, mid to late uh, 90s? Is that right? Or was it early 90s? Uh, early. Yeah. Earlier. Jane's Addiction, I like a lot of their stuff. Uh, I just am coming at it from more of an influential standpoint as opposed to musically, I guess. I don't know. 
Uh, and then last but not least on my list, which I think they might have been on the ballot at one point in time, but that's T-Rex. So T-Rex, I know, influenced a lot of people from Cheap Trick to a band like The Biters nowadays that I love. So T-Rex probably should be in that Hall of Fame. That's my list. Yeah, that's a good list. So on mine, I had Motley Crue. Yeah. I had T-Rex. Yeah. Believe it or not, I had Jane's Addiction. Yeah. Hanoi Rocks. So you hear a lot about Hanoi Rocks. I thought about that. I did actually think about that, but then if you're going to put, and one just came to me, if you're going to put Hanoi Rocks on that list, then doesn't Slade belong on that list? Yeah, probably. And, and I, do, I don't like Slade <laughs> at all, but but I think that obviously they definitely belong there. If you're going to put Hanoi Rocks on there, Slade belongs there. And then I had two, everybody else we had pretty much the same, and then I had two individuals, Neil Sean, so I know Journey's already in there. But Neil Sean's done a lot more than just Journey. Yeah. And he's kind of caught up in that. And, I mean, he's done everything from, like, flamenco stuff. Yeah. <laughs> right? To hardline, to bad English. He's been on the pop charts. He's been, you know. So, Neil Sean probably deserves to be, like, if a Stevie Nicks deserves to be solo, probably a Neil Sean does. Yeah. And then I had Michael Wagner. I was just thinking about that. I was thinking yeah. about what. So when you started talking about individuals, I was like, well, then what about producers? And I was like, right. okay, so Michael Wagner, for sure. Michael Wagner yeah. should be there. What about Bob Rock? Yeah, Bob, Bob Rock, possibly. Yeah. And I thought about Ezrin for a minute. Yeah. Because Ezrin hit a lot of those bands too. Right. So there's some producers out there that probably should be. And then there's two bands I absolutely love. And I had them like on a third tier, but they just, you just never hear them being out loud talked about as influences. Yeah. They've got plenty of history and music, but they don't always, you don't always talk about the influence. And that's Night Ranger and Whitesnake. And yeah. I know Deep Purple's already in there. Yeah. But these are two huge blue collar type bands that have been around forever. Yeah. Nah, I, I love them. I thought about Whitesnake a little bit, but. Just I thought about White Snake from a little bit, uh, just because I know that the sound of White Snake influenced a lot of people. We talked about it with the Eclipse interview and everything, the '87 album and all that stuff. So I thought about that for a little bit. Night Ranger, nah. I, as much as I love Night Ranger, I just don't see why they would be in it. Just because I don't think they influenced everything, but I think they're an amazing band. I love them. You know, you know that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think if you're going to put somebody in the Hall of Fame, it has to be about more than album sales. And, you know, influence to me is a big is a big driver, a big component of that, in my opinion. So that's the way I look at it. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. It's cool. Little that's a cool episode right there. Dude, that's a long episode, man. You got us talking on a subject that's like out of control, but uh, that's the way it is, man. It's just it's a hot button. It's timely because the ballad just went out for for the, uh, is it 2018 class or 2019 2019. Class? 2019 class? So, I mean, it's something we've never talked about. I know a lot of people discussed it, but I think we talked about a little bit different angle. It was good. I enjoyed it. Yeah, if you haven't voted yet for the 2019, all you got to do is go on the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame website, and it's really easy. It took me less than a minute to vote so uh they don't put you through a bunch of uh, rigmarole to actual vote 
And then, you know, my last thoughts on it, you know, I, the first inductee was Chuck Berry. He's a foundational rock and roller. I mean, there's a foundation there that, hell, people think he created rock and roll. I'm not too sure Al Green helped with rock and roll, but that's just my personal opinion. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's any way you can look at it. Maybe they just need to break it off and just create the hard rock and metal hall of fame. That's right. <laughs> Where will we put that, man? Should it go right next door in Cleveland? Uh, no. Let's see. Where should the L.A. Should it on the Sunset L.A. Strip? baby, or New York? You wanted the best, and you got the best. The hottest band in the world, Kiss. It's time for your historic moment on Growing Up Rock. All right, so the historic moment, you know how we usually try to rope in something Kiss into, uh, and they're already in the Hall of Fame, and if I would have picked the songs that put them in the Hall of Fame, they're all the songs we've heard before. And then uh, when I was doing the research, something came to me. I'm like, man, any way you slice this thing, people would disagree because there's so many opinions about what rock and roll is. And then I'm like, you know what? Anyway, you slice it, it's a song. So here you go. Anyway, you slice it from Asylum.
any way you slice it, it's win or lose. <laughs> Silence, my favorite album. You know, you got to put a Gene song in there every once in a while. Dude, I ain't mad about you. I like a little <laughs> asylum rock and roll. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Well, it's been fun. It's been real. It's been real fun. Everybody, thank you for listening. Thank you for giving us all the reviews you do in Podchaser. Please continue to do so. We'd love your feedback. And uh, thanks for listening. Yeah. Hope this made your day just a little bit better. Something for you to think about. Please join in on the conversation on Facebook. You Tell us your thoughts. Hell, message me and tell me your thoughts. I'm interested to hear who did we leave off the list? I'm really interested to hear that. Like, and again, not voting with your heart. I don't want to see anybody. If anybody puts on the list that we left off, like freaking Van Halen or Black Sabbath, I'm going to kill you. Because <laughs> they're already in. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, and then don't go putting on the list that we left off, like freaking Jet Boy or... <laughs> black and blue or somebody it's like really i don't think so stop just stop it stop the madness i love kicks don't need to see them on the list they weren't influential but anyway that's it all right we will catch you later all right let me pull out my phone to shuffle rattle and roll and let me pick my songs, and we will talk to everybody next week. Peace. Later. Get ready to shuffle, rattle, and roll. Play us out, boys. Just like a
Please make sure you subscribe to our podcast, Growing Up Rock, and leave us a review on iTunes. Give us a like and leave us a comment on Facebook at Growing Up Rock. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.